Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI, the nation's only program dedicated to the clinical documentation integrity profession. The Actus Podcast is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and Actus. Today, Wednesday, August 18th, marks our 186th program. Today's featured Actus solution is the 2021 Actus National Conference. After a year in which we had to cancel our 2020 event, Actus is stepping forward to make ourselves and the CDI profession stronger than ever. We hope you will join us October 25th through 28th in Dallas for the return of our national conference. We're offering cutting edge education across more than 60 CDI focused presentations in our first ever hybrid format. So we are offering this event um, in person at the Sheridan Dallas Hotel, uh, but in the new value-added supplement this year, we're offering online-only bonus presentations, including a online poster session that participants can enjoy when they return home. If you can't make the conference live this year, and we realize not everyone can, uh, that will all be available for, for separate purchase as well. All right. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Integrity Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, EHR Modifications, a Practical Guide for CDI. Today's show is sponsored by Cerner. Cerner's health information technologies connect people and systems at more than 27,500 contracted provider facilities worldwide. Together with its clients, Cerner is creating a future where the healthcare system works to improve the well-being of individuals and communities. So I'm joined today by my co-host at left, Heidi Zimmerman. Um, as a director for Cerner Intelligence, Heidi provides strategic direction over a suite of Cerner products, utilizing AI and machine learning technologies to advance data intelligence and healthcare. Prior to joining Cerner in 1998, Heidi worked as a registered nurse in the Kansas City area, has applied her passion for healthcare and developing solutions to improve clinical workflows and the delivery of patient care. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you so much, Brian. Great to be here. Yeah, glad to have you on the show. Next, I'd like to introduce our special guest today. We have with us Shelby Humphreys. Shelby is an RHIA CCDS and is the Director of Coding and CDI for Vidant Health, which is based in Greenville, North Carolina. Shelby has worked in HIM since graduating from East Carolina University in 2004 with a bachelor's degree in HIM. She's got a very varied background, has worked in various roles within multi-physician practice, community hospital settings, and the larger health system for the better part of her career, has held leadership positions for close to 15 years. Principally, she's responsible for the corporate shared services of inpatient and outpatient coding, auditing, education, charge capture, and CDI within Viden Health, active member of AHIMA, uh, and we're very pleased to have her on the show. So welcome to the program, Shelby. Thanks, Brian. Very excited. Yeah, me too. Let's start with a poll question, as we're very want to do here on the show. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull that up for our listeners today. So we're asking you, have you been able to implement modifications to your EHR to help improve documentation capture? And your options are yes, it, it has been a success. Maybe you tried but failed to implement some documentation-friendly uh, modifications. 
No, but maybe you've not needed to do so. Um, unsure or not applicable or other. And as I always like to say, please do send your response. If you have any questions during the show or you want to respond specifically to this poll, I do check those out during the live show here and, and I would love to see what your responses are. So again, we're asking you, have you been able to implement modifications to your EHR to help improve documentation capture? Uh, yes, success. Y yes, but tried and failed. Uh, no, but you have not needed to do so. Unsure, not applicable or other. All right, we've got, got about two thirds of our audience that have voted. So I will go ahead and close this poll out. looks like we're settling in on some numbers here and we will come back to these results in just a few minutes. All right, Shelby, thanks for, again for coming on the show. You know, as I as I really like to do with a show like this, hoping you can just kind of set the stage for us about the the CDI program at Viden Health, um, specifically how long you've had a program there, uh, how your your staffing, maybe payers or record types, and and really what 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 do you consider your metrics for success at at Vident? Right. Yeah. So I'd love to to get a little bit deeper into this information, but thanks again for, for having me on. So the CDI program uh, at Vident was established close to 15 years ago at our flagship site, which is Vident Medical Center in Greenville, North Carolina, which most of us would consider the core of Eastern North Carolina. And uh, before transitioning to a corporate shared service in the spring of 2014, each of our community hospitals within our system also had a CDI program, certainly much smaller with one individual CDI specialist in place, but still focused on concurrent opportunities and supporting other areas as needed, which is typical of smaller sites where many hats can be worn by CDI specialists and others. Um, but now we are all one team working together, and we've recently grown in size to 20 CDI team members, um, all primarily with nursing backgrounds. And that re recent expansion is really in direct relation to changes happening within Medicaid as a managed care program within our state. Um, for those of us that are um, joining in from North Carolina, as you know, we've gone through a change to managed care options for our Medicaid covered population. And so uh, with that said, we focus on our DRG-based contracted payers when performing our concurrent reviews. Um, as many of us started out very early on with our programs, primarily focusing on Medicare payments um, or payers, uh, we've now expanded into other payers that, um, based off of our contracts, are DRG-based and when the opportunity arises, able to review other pockets or, or niches that would benefit from a concurrent documentation review. Um, and so with that, the team is trained regarding opportunities with quality, uh, financial, and compliance impacts. And many of our metrics are still situated around financial impacts um, brought on by the efforts within our CDI review program. Um, because as we all know, it's difficult to correlate um, positive impacts related to our quality-based reviews um, or our efforts towards improved compliance um, with improved documentation integrity. So something we're still working on to try to 
find those um, ways to kind of report metric-based data related to that type of focus. Um, but we stu still do uh, focus a lot on financial metrics and our, our impacts related to positive shifts um, and where we may be able to focus our educational efforts with our providers and our organizations. So we've done some growing over the last few years, for sure. Yeah, it sounds like it. What a, what, what a record of expansion there. Good for you guys. Um, Shelby, so I have a, a question about your electronic health record, and um, have you made changes to to the EHR and how your providers document uh, within their workflow? So we have made um, many changes over the course of the last uh, 12 years or so since having the EHR that we do have um, that is meant to support a positive movement in the direction of improved provider documentation and capture of, of coded data. Um, but for us, specifically within the CDI team, we have recently made adjustments with the way that we uh, manage our activity review activity or our activity review within our EHR. Um, and so that really has been a big effort for us. So, you know, one of the things that's always asked is, those changes, how are they prompted? And for us, our interest to make adjustments really was sparked by our CDI team and listening and understanding their workflow challenges, along with wanting to see efficiency gained by reducing disruptions related to working in multiple solutions, which really was the reality for our CDI reviewers, um, and decreased duplicate actions that were being performed across the multiple solutions that we use. Um, we wanted to also really help with what we were seeing as far as our increased technical issues that were really cumbersome to resolve across the board. And so our efforts more recently with changes within our EHR um, specific to our CDI activity have really focused on, on those items and really kind of coming um, to a point of feeling very comfortable with the workflow that it is producing for us the efficiencies that we were hoping to gain all along working with our providers around documentation opportunities in order to improve the use of templates um, and other items that we know over the course of time, any change in a positive direction could also benefit our solutions that are utilizing that documentation as well. Hmm. Yeah, thanks Shelby. So I'm sure everyone is asking and, and and I'll, I'll ask it because I'm very curious, you know, um, how did you get the ear of your vendor? And, and, and once you did, what, what changes did you manage to accomplish? Um, it seems like that, uh, that, that could be a major challenge when you're just busy with the day-to-day -day review and maybe your, your vendor seems like a, a distant entity and you're, you're, and it's such a big, uh, organization wide solution to, to have you, have the CDI drive this is really interesting to me. Uh, glad to hear you're able to do that, but how did you actually do it and what did you manage to accomplish? Right, so as far as working with the vendor and getting the ear um, in order to kind of move in this direction for the change that we made, initially it was just research that was on our shoulders to do. Um, the functionality was there. Uh, we just needed to kind of learn more and understand if this was the direction that we wanted to go with this change that I'm about to share, 
um, was it going to meet our needs? And then from there, what would we need to express to the vendor um, to help us get there? And so for us, we made the decision after thorough review and evaluation to shift from using a third-party solution to source our CDI review workflow and our tracking activity to using available workflow within our EHR, uh, which really raised some eyebrows when I started to bring this up as an interest of my own um, and wanted to kind of see where we might could go with this. And it really was along the lines of what I felt was important to our organization, to Biden Health. So at Biden, one of our core guiding principles regarding technology is to utilize our main enterprise solution when considering functionality that could support the efforts of our team or our mission. And so with that already being our, our guidance, uh, I felt that I really had the support, um, unsaid support, to be able to go in the direction of learning more about what functionality was available within our EHR that could support a change as really dramatic as moving away from a third-party solution that we had used for that CDI review activity. And mm -hmm. so I moved forward with really paying attention to the development of workflows within our EHR um, meant to assist with CDI review, the connections that could be made with the coding team, um, and really what some of the other benefits might be to other departments within our organization that have come to rely on data produced by our concurrent reviews within our CDI team. But early on, the very basic format of what I was looking at, it was clean, but it was bare bones, certainly compared to what our team had been working with under the third-party veil. But over time, the development of the tool within our EHR made it obvious to me that the vendor had been listening to clients interested in a more robust platform within the EHR. And for our team, it made sense to go down this path with our EHR vendor. And so with that, um, I took what I had learned and had already started engaging with the support teams within our information services division to understand where my vision was in regards to making this change and really begin to script out what we felt would be the, the benefits and discuss those pros and cons to making the switch. Um, and we began to work on that. And because of the available functionality and that expanded development that had occurred, there was very little initially that we had to really work with our EHR vendor to improve or develop out further um, in order to kind of get the ball rolling to be able to implement this. And really that work came after implementation um, where we had gotten comfortable with the workflow and then really decided where there were some gaps that we felt um, working with the development teams that our EHR vendor could help fill in. And so that was work that we've done since implementation. Excellent. I like really what you said about establishing a vision there and, and uh, you know, working to close some of those gaps you might have seen in, in the workflow. Some good stuff. Yeah, it's really great to see how you've worked with your EHR vendor and, and understanding the the EHR to uh, incorporate that into the workflow. Um, Shelby, what positive changes have you seen as a result um, to these changes, either to your CDI metrics, cost savings, or even uh, the physician ease of use and satisfaction? That's a great question. And 
I do feel like we've seen quite a bit of positive changes because of the shift that we made. Um, and we did go live on this in the spring of 2019. So we've had a healthy two years uh, to really function within this new kind of world for us. And so with that, we've been able to see, like I mentioned before, a significant decrease in our duplicate activities, uh, such as query creation and resolution around response outcomes. Um, that was an area where there was quite a bit of double work occurring between the solutions. Uh, we've seen an improved communication link between not only our CDI team and our coding team, but also between those other departments that I mentioned earlier and providers that had not previously been licensed for the third-party tool, where a lot of this helpful data, um, such as geometric length of stay for any of our working DRGs that may help influence the work done by our case management groups, um, or even our providers when planning um, around you know, care plans for our, our patients. That information was available only inside of that third-party vendor solution, and unless we licensed and trained for so many other areas to be able to access that, they really were missing out on some helpful details. And so because of now using the EHR vendor, those data points are able to be um, added or shared in other workflows for other types of clinicians to be able to benefit um, from those cases that we have performed a concurrent review on. So um, for us, that was a major win, and we've done quite a bit of work with being able to kind of spread the access um, around the organization to those that uh, would would see a benefit from that. And then, of course, uh, for, for those of us that are supported by um, finance or other areas focused on that, our executive leadership has been very pleased with the considerable cost savings um, that we've experienced by being able to remove the prior tool from our contract and use our existing infrastructure within the EHR that really just had a, a small add-on fee for advanced licensing, advanced licensing to allow for the CDI workflow to really benefit from some of the other um, tools. All right. Great. Really great case study there, Shelby, and, and some great work there. Uh, you should be commended for your leadership throughout this process as well. I guess just um, any final takeaways for our audience? Uh, any a tip or two you think would be helpful for working with a vendor to make changes? Or if you're brave enough, you know, did, did you have any pitfalls uh, or any, any failures along the way that you think our audience might want to hear about so they can potentially avoid those if they're thinking of embarking on a similar project. Sure. So really quickly, I mean, one of the key takeaways from my experience really would be to consider the core task to be performed and then build or implement functionality that would propel that process with little to no um, aspects that really could create drags or delays that may not be recognizable because the bells and whistles may mask that. Um, and so that was probably one of the hardest selling points to go from what we had used to now using our EHR functionality to help with that. Um, but, you know, when it comes to pitfalls or gaps that may occur, you know, for myself as a leader and many of us on this call that would be representing the operational function within the, the organization, it would be to be fully supportive of this, supportive of this solution. 
Um, and you have to stay fully engaged and up to speed during the entire project and well after implementation. The work to improve a solution really starts after go live. And so turning it on and leaving it on autopilot will really cause you and your, your team and your organization to miss out on opportunities to influence and benefit from future development if you're not engaged with your vendor and really working as partners with those groups that are charged with the task of expanded development to make a solution better. Um, and so it's, it's really just my advice to, to not sit back and sometimes we're put in a position where we may be um, implementing a tool that we weren't initially involved in review, demo review or decision making, and now we have it, but that does not mean that you can't dig in now and really learn more and decide how well it will work for, for your purpose and in the area that you have responsibility for. So for me, it's just staying fully engaged with your vendor and letting them know the type of person you have, you are and the vision that you have. Mm. Well, great stuff. Again, thank you for sharing your experience here. And I'm glad to hear that two years in, it sounds like uh, a big success for Viden. So congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, let's uh, let's jump jump back to our poll results here. I'm going to go ahead and share those with our audience. We asked you today, have you been able to implement modifications to your EHR to help improve with documentation capture? Um, this is good news. Majority said yes. Uh, it's been a success, 41%. Um, our next largest bucket was 34% said unsure or not applicable. So. Hard to read exactly what that means. I'll look at some of the open-ended responses, but you know, a lot of folks might be on the front end doing the CDI chart review and maybe uh, don't know if they've been able to do this type of work. 10% uh, have tried and failed. 7% have felt they've not needed to do so, and then we have some other responses which I will look at. But any early thoughts on this, um, Shelby and/or Heidi? Our poll results today. Anything surprise you here? No surprises for me. Um, you know, I, I think that it's a good mix to have folks that say, yes, we have had success with these changes and a small mix that says we've tried and, and failed. And my, my thoughts for that would be just encouragement to keep going and engage with the right people at your organization to get their support and, um, and go from there. And sometimes it's just the work that goes into keeping that fire lit to be able to get the attention needed to to see what has been a failure soon become a success. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Shelby. And and uh, I was very encouraged to see 41% say that uh, yes, it's been a success. So um, I, I I think that's a, a great number. And and like you said, just uh, stay encouraged and 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 keep working at it. Yeah, a couple of the other responses that came in, I'll just summarize. Uh, someone said. I checked other, my answer would be no, but we do need to do so. Yeah, I wish I could have included that that response in there. Um, another response was we were going to start computer assisted, but with the start of COVID last year, we had to put it on hold. It could be some folks are, I'm sure, struggling with that same issue due to the pandemic. Um, another comment here, takes a vendor willing to help make changes. Um, when your hospital is one of their customers that can be sometimes put on the back burner. Um, Very good point. Yeah. 
Well, some other good comments here, but really appreciate folks weighing in with our uh, poll question today. All right. Go ahead and just actually make sure we get that poll closed out. There we go, hide. <laughs> All right, let's jump over to our In the News segment. Um, in the News is a regular segment featuring the latest news and industry updates relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. I'm going to go ahead and pull up something which will probably make your um, eyes explode or maybe glaze over. We have the re release of the fiscal year 2022 IPPS final rule. Um, this is really the early version that comes out. Um, it's it's sort of the non-pretty federal register version that is available now. Uh, it was published um, actually, it may actually the, the the new version might be out, but essentially, if you want to look it up, we will share this link in the show notes after the program. Very lengthy document, about 2,295 pages uh, in this format. So um, I'm going to just take a real brief overview here for about the IPPS rule. Obviously, this is big news for CDI professionals. Um, a couple high-level changes. There is going to be about a 2.5% increase in IPPS payment if you've demonstrated participation in the uh, hospital inpatient quality reporting or IQR program. CMS has extended add-on payments for COVID-19 treatments under the new technology add-on payment policy. Um, that is going to continue through the end of whatever fiscal year in which the public health emergency ends. So that's some good news there for those bonus COVID-19 treatment payments. Um, CMS has finalized a repeal of a requirement that a hospital report on the Medicare cost report, the median specific, median payer specific negotiated charge. Uh, you might remember that they were requiring hospitals to publish some of this uh, by this charge data by MSDRG. Um, really, there was a lot of pushback on this. It, AHA and others were saying it would result in approximately 64,000 hours of administrative burden. I'm not sure whether that's per hospital. I have to assume that's nationwide uh, if that was pushed through. So that is off the table. Um, CMS is suppressing some quality measures in response to COVID-19 for some of those value-based purchasing programs, which is good news. For example, these apply to the HRRP or Hospital Readmissions Reduction Program and the Hack Reduction Program. So if the agency determines that circumstances caused by the COVID-19 have impacted these measures and, and therefore your quality scores, they're going to suppress those. That's a good that's good news for those hospitals readmitting COVID patients, for example. Um, on a more granular level, just a couple of the I wanted to mention just a couple of the MCC and CC changes. I know these are important for our CDI audience. So some notable MCC additions. This is not a comprehensive list, but what I thought was important. Um, we have some new MCCs, including GO4.A2, which is acute flaccid myelitis, G92.8, other toxic encephalopathy, G92.9, unspecified toxic encephalopathy, um, and J12.A2, which is pneumonia due to coronavirus disease 2019. 
just as a reminder, that actually was made, was added on January 1st of this year. So we've got some MCC additions. We've also got some CC additions. Again, not comprehensive. We've got uh, anaplasmosis. We've got non-ischemic myocardial injury, non-traumatic or I5A. We've got uh, Sjogren's syndrome with central nervous system involvement. We have multi-system inflammatory syndrome, which is M35.81, and then we have uh, M35.89, other specified systemic involvement of connective tissue. Some qu quite a few, so, so some changes there that, that will be updates to your CC and MCC lists. Um, a couple other things to note. ICD-10-CM diagnosis code B33.24, which is viral cardiomyopathy, was reassigned from MDC-18 to MDC-5 in MSDRGs 13, 15, and 316. That was to really improve some clinical coherence. Um, also, the there was a revision of the CC exclusions logic list for diagnosis codes I11.0, which is hypertensive heart disease with heart failure, as well as I13.2, hypertensive heart and CKD with heart failure with stage 5 CKD when reported as a principal diagnosis. There was a commenter, um, actually pleased to say that this came from our Actus Regulatory Committee that noticed that um, no really noticed an inconsistency in the exclusions list logic for I11.0. So when you were reporting that diagnosis code as principal, it caused four acute on chronic heart failure codes that were MCCs to lose that payment status. So that has been revised um, in, in the, that exclusions logic list. Lot I just threw at you there. I'll just again reiterate that I will include a link to this in the show notes. Um, you know, one of the helpful pieces of the CMS site is they actually include tables of the CC and MCC changes, so you can at a glance see what they are. Um, Shelby, any thoughts from you on the IPPS rule? Have you had a chance to look at it, or, or, or um, maybe anything about what Vident might do when this rule is published to get those word out on these changes? Yeah, so, you know, with what you just highlighted, I think we're really seeing pertinent and val valuable changes and updates for healthcare organizations across the country, especially in our current environment. So I know that many of these changes will be much appreciated. And for us at Vident, when it comes to um, this rule and any other relevant coding material, you know, our team's coding, CDI, our physician advisor team that we work very closely with, We've done a lot of work over the years to streamline our delivery of this content. Um, so we use resources developed internally with our coding educator role and engage in sessions from our pre-bill review vendors that really zero in on the, the pertinent information um, and on the impacts from these updates. And we also use a, a learning management system for revenue cycle that really kind of helps us assign tasks for review by a certain time frame. So that helps us kind of know what we need to focus in on, and it gives us the opportunity to make sure that we're managing our time um, because this always happens, you know, very close to the end of a fiscal year. And uh, if you have responsibility for coding, you know, what a very pressure-filled time that can be. And so we, we really rely on all of the support services that we have internally and externally to, to help us with that. Anything related to financial impacts or DRG shifts that we need to keep in mind. We also work with our finance division that is very attuned to that um, so that we can understand where we might need to to focus as far as educational 
efforts with our providers and in other areas. So there's quite a bit that we do with that piece. Yeah. Well, you're on top of the game. Good to hear, Heidi, uh, Shelby, and we appreciate it. So again, that, that will do it for today's edition of the Actus Podcast, Talking CDI. We're going to be back here again in two weeks for our next show on Wednesday, September 1st, which is Multidisciplinary Malnutrition Capture. We've got a great case study of a hospital that's been working hard to get uh, this diagnosis captured um, across various departments. So again, I want to thank Cerner for their support of today's show. As a reminder, you can listen to the show recordings anytime on our website or via your favorite uh, podcast player, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. We make those available typically the day after the show today. Um, as always, if you have any suggestions for future guests, topics, ideas about the format of the show, drop me an email at bmurphy@actus.org. I love hearing from our listeners. All right, Heidi and Shelby, thanks again. For everyone else, we will see you back here again in two weeks. Take care, everyone. Thank you.